Oh yeah. Whoa, whoa, that's my what? line. What? What? That's uh, my what, line. What? That's no. That's my line. What? Hey, welcome back to uh, the amazing uh, greatest podcast ever in Priest Payne County history. It is the Pastors of Pain show here um, from the St. Joseph Terror of Demons Rectory in Stillwater, America. It is nice to be sitting in our living room. Yes. I, you know what? We, um, I just I, I had this thought, Father O'Brien. Uh, you know how we... The uh, first time is always the worst. Go ahead. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know how you always used to give um, tours to the, uh, of your church right across the parking lot? I still lot? give tours. Yeah. Well, uh, should... Do we give tours of the rectory? I mean, when people come over for a meal. Oh. Okay, so if yeah. you're in Payne County, you can take a tour of the church. It's not s- It's not open to the public. This is not a, The rectory is not a tourist destination. Yeah, if you're looking for the priests, we're, we're, well, we're probably not home. <laughs> in a, a good way, we're out in the back. It's actually fun. One of the things I like in the, in the, in the morning or like in the, you know, I'll, I'll walk home. Uh-huh. I'm trying to do more walking, you know, yeah. get, get my steps in, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so, you know, like I'll, you know, in the morning, you're usually gone first and, you know, so then the, there's cars out there and, uh-huh. and then yeah. like in the afternoon, it, like there's no cars, no cars in the garage, no cars out front. And then I think to myself, there's five of us who live here, me, you, Father Healy, Father Porter, and Kyle, our son, oh, yeah, yeah. Kyle. And when there's no cars here, I, it's like a very, it's very edifying because I'm like, there are five dudes who live in this house who are not here and like are all right now like preaching, serving the Lord, preaching the gospel, you know, and I'm kind of like, okay. I, and I sort of picture like you, you're somewhere on campus and Father Porter is doing he's on marriage a pogo prep. Stick. He's on a pogo stick. And Father Healy is, you know. Playing his is, nine fiddles is, all at the same time. You know, hearing confessions. And Kyle is, like, giving a tour of the church, you know. Oh. And I just think, like, wow, the five of us are. Serving the Lord. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not it. We have beautiful staffs, and we have great people that are always out and about. But it's just, anyway, it's a very edifying thing for to have, like, an empty rectory. Oh, yeah. Except when I come home to an empty rectory and all the lights are on. Then I, I, then I want to punch everyone no, in the face. You know what that was? I think the other day when you, you came out and all the lights were on, you know who that was? I'm, I bla- I'm blaming Pratt. I don't think so. Because I came down here and his door was opened at 5. No, this was... We're arguing mm, about nothing. I don't think so. I think it was him. One of the things about being a pastor, for all you future pastors out there, Uh-oh. basically there's two... There's two jobs involved in being a pastor. Uh-huh. One ahead. is um, praying with and for your people, mm-hmm. and the other is turning lights off. Oh, well, say it, don't that's, spray it. That's pretty oh, much Brian. it. Come that's on. pretty much what I do all day. I follow people around, and I shut lights off. Didn't your dad used to do that? Why do we own shares of the park? My dad, <laughs> my dad used to, I think I've said this on the show, he, he would come upstairs, and all the lights would be on, and he would say, uh, hello, uh, kids, uh, the airport called. <laughs> And planes are starting to come towards the house, so I'm just going to shut off some of these lights. That was very funny. Wow. Well, you know, there's um just um just to make a, the switcheroo here oh. to the uh, to our topic today. Hmm. Okay, a very spent, subtle transition. I know. By <laughs> us talking about the transition. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've been trying to finish up the Ten Commandments for now two and a half years. It hasn't been that long. I feel like it's been two and a half years. We started a little series on the Ten Commandments. And that stretched out over a... It's been a year-ish. 
year and a half. Because things come up. You so know? We're, we're, we're knocking it out. We're finishing it today. So last week was on the Eighth Commandment, uh-huh. Thou shalt not bear false witness. The week before was on the Seventh Commandment, yep. Thou shalt uh-huh. not steal. Yes, sir. And so today, oh, uh, yes. we're going to... We're well, actually gonna we're gonna do nine and ten together. I I like doing nine and ten together because um, I'm, I have this theological phrase, and it goes something like this: nine and ten are hitched together like sled dogs. Oh, you can't talk about one without the other. So even in uh, and uh, we'll, um, we'll, we'll as we dive into the ninth and tenth commandments, you got your catechism there. I've got experience. You know it. Yeah, I, I loved. Uh, you know, um, I have the commandment. You have experience. Uh-huh, Is that what you uh-huh. just said? You have the catechism, and I have these funny experiences of the ninth and tenth commandments. Especially I have funny experiences. Try to top this one. So, <laughs> so I'm teaching Totus Tuus the the, okay. the summer before I was ordained. You're teaching small children yeah. about the Lord. If, yeah. you, if no one knows what Totus Tuus is, for you people who live in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex or um, Central Valley of California, not our primary audience, not but our primary audience, can listen nonetheless. Maybe other 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 planets, and you are like, what is Totus Tuus? Well, it's the motto of um, John Paul II: Totus Tuus Maria, all of yours. And then uh, a priest in Wichita turned that title into a summer catechetical program for kids called Totus Tuus. And it's really fantastic. And you go out in teams of four, two guys, two girls, and you bounce around to these parishes. So one year was the Ten Commandments and the Glorious Mysteries of the Rosary. So I was teaching the Ten Commandments and learning them all, learning just every week you're teaching all ten. And so by the end of the summer, you just know the Ten Commandments super well. That's good. So I, I thought I had heard... Everything. Every every time I said, okay, so what's the fifth commandment? People would shout it out. Thou, thou, thou shalt not kill. Um, and the third commandment. And then I get to small town, northeast Oklahoma. And it's... Um, Miami, Welch. It's Miami, Welch. Benita. Yeah, all in that area. All in that area. And it's the combining parishes. I don't remember which parish we were. And so I had the morning class with the kids. And we're doing a review. And, and I said... And we hadn't started the ninth and tenth commandments that day. And I said, "Okay, so what are the ninth and uh, what are the ninth and tenth commandments?" And this little girl raised her hand, and I said, "Yes, ma'am." She goes, "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goodies." And I said, "I'm sorry." And she goes, <laughs> "Goodies." And it was like, "That's the tenth commandment. That's real. I mean, like out of the mouth of babes, this like, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goodies." And I was like, okay, boom. That's the way I teach it now. That's what it said on the tablet. Yeah. yeah. But then there was like they edit there was an editing process and Yeah. Yeah. I bring you these fifteen I mean ten commandments. <laughs> <laughs> Should not covet thy neighbor's goodies. So Father Father um O'Brien, you've got like um the catechism. Yeah, so right here let, let me read for you the ninth and tenth commandments. Please uh, as they come from uh, the book of Exodus, chapter twenty. Not out of the mouth of a little child. A so the ninth commandment is this you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant okay. or his ox or his ass or anything that is your neighbor's. Okay. And that's the ninth and tenth commandments. Got it. So, what we do in the in the sometimes Protestants and Catholics have different a, a different numbering system of the ninth and tenth of the commandments. So we we separate nine and ten. Uh, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters is it I think it's two. They make 
the second commandment, the second and the third, yeah. and they put nine and ten together. But nine and ten really do go quite well together because it's about wanting and taking things that are not things and people. Yes, people and things that are not yours. Um, explain the word covet to covet. What does it mean when we say thou shalt not covet? It's not a word that we use a lot. What's the etymology of it? I didn't look up the I have the no idea. I have no I'll, idea. Here, you talk and I'll look. Okay, you look up the etymology of it. Covet. Um, well, What's an example of, of, I mean, we don't use that word a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I covet that. We just say I want it. I, I think it's like, it's like um, well, I, I don't want to look at the etymology. Covet means to yearn, yearn to possess or to have. I, 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 I was going to say, like, it's, when, I, when I ever talk about the seven deadly sins and the, sacri- uh, not the, the, the Ten Commandments during an examination of conscience with people, I always save the seven deadly sins for uh, Commandments 9 and 10 because I really think they deal with envy and greed and Ooh. lust. You know, uh, envy, greed, and lust, those three things are really powerful forces because lust is the passion of the flesh for something, either woman, man, or somebody's items. Um, Envy says, I want what somebody else has, and I'm willing to kill them for it. But I don't want to kill them for it? Yeah, yeah, that's what envy is. I feel like I've been envious and not wanting to kill someone. uh, Yeah. But I'm will. But actually, I don't want what they have. I just don't want them to have it, and I want them to. I would I prefer oh. to destroy it. And then greed is like, uh, is it a, is it a covetous thing? Because greed says, I am not willing to share. I want it all, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a hoarder of the oh. item, and I'm not gonna share with the poor or anybody else. This is a great definition of to covet: to feel inordinate desire for what belongs to another. Mm-hmm. Inordinate. Yeah. In Out the- of the. Out of the ordinary. That's not a good thing. Yeah, envy. You do not want to be inordinate. Okay, let me, now let me look up the uh, and, and, et, et, etymology. Etymology? It's Latin from... Oh. Oh. Concupiscence. So, yeah. So yeah. covet comes from... Cup, cup, Cupiencia. Cupiditas. Um, what? So it's Middle English, Old French. What? Uh, oh. So it comes from like yeah, it comes from like cup, like Cupid, which you know, like love, like sort of love, but love that is inordinate, love that is disordered, disordered. Yeah, an so, inordinate desire for something else. Yeah, lust of the flesh. Is that why, like, when we have like you know, you see like Cupid, you know, that it's like that little fat little baby and shooting arrows at people. <laughs> But it's like, it's not a, it's not like a free choice, you know, like the little Cupid baby, you know, in the movies or cartoons, uh-huh. like it shoots someone, and then you like it, like makes you fall in love, as opposed to like a free, a free choice. choice. Isn't that interesting? Huh. All right. Well, this is, this is gonna know how to party or what? The, Come on, let's you know you. it, you know it. Okay, so um, this is a, a, a catechism twenty five fourteen. Okay. The Gospel of John, Saint John distinguishes. Three kinds of covetousness or concupiscence. Okay. Explain what concupiscence is. That's a big fancy theological word that, that we use all the time. Science. Yeah, there's disordered attraction to something. Yeah. Concupiscence. It's like and the, so that's a result of the, the original the, sin of, of the fall. Of the fall of Adam and Eve's sin, that you and I tend towards sin in our lives. Yeah, St. Paul says like he says like 
I know I shouldn't desire this, but I desire it. Yep. What is what is not right? So when you're like, you think like, why do I keep wanting to sin? Like I don't want to, but I keep, but I want to. Disordered passions, concupiscence. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So St. John distinguishes three kinds of covetousness or concupiscence. Number okay. one, lust of the flesh. Well, yep. Number two, lust of the eyes. Uh-huh. And number three, pride of life. Whoa. In the Catholic catechetical tradition, the ninth commandment forbids carnal concupiscence, while the tenth forbids coveting another's goods. Goodies. So let's talk about goodies. So let's talk about those two those two things. So one is like lust. Yep. And one is like I want that. Lust of I life. Want, is I want some of the I want that I want that stuff. Yep. Um okay, so why is lust bad? Oh, it's bad? Because I think people oh. would say <laughs> Oh no. Dang oh. Yeah. Some people are like, yes. wait a minute. Um I think some people would say lust is no big deal because I'm not I'm not doing anything. It lust is okay if I'm not doing anything. Like that, I can look, I can look, but but look, but don't touch. But that's a, that's that's contradictory to the gospel because Jesus says if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. So like Saint Thomas Aquinas and the great Matthew say, chapter five. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Um, like Saint Thomas Aquinas would say, along with a lot of the saints, is uh, they get it right out of the gospel. If you have this this disordered desire already in your heart and you're thinking about it. You've already committed adultery even though you don't have to act because the Jewish law says you have to act. You have to act upon it in order to do it. And the Lord Jesus says it starts back in the soul and back in the heart. So there's this this need in each human person to um, remember concupiscence is the disordered passions. What's the opposite of concupiscence? And and the intellect and the will. It's, uh, I think it's what Th- Thomas Aquinas calls it, the well-ordered life. Yeah, or temperance. Yeah, we would say it's temperance. about touch. So the catechism says the heart, this is 2517, the uh-huh. heart is the seat of moral personality. And he quotes Matthew, we quote Matthew 15, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication. Then the catechism says the struggle, and I think everyone will be able to identify with this, the struggle against carnal covetousness entails purifying the heart and practicing temperance. So if lust is your is your deal, lust is your issue. Lust is like, oh, that's like my main my main sin. Or it's a side hustle too. Or it's a side, yeah, yeah. It it, it and I think it is on some level for everybody, but then I think people go through different times of life, sort of seasons of life where lust is more difficult. I think it's, I mean I, again, I don't. It's not like easy for some people, and I don't, but like co- college, yeah. When you're uh, sixteen to twenty-five, yeah, like your hormones are are you know your body is kind of you know is heading in that direction. Yeah, exactly. It's it's pu- your body is kind of pushing you yeah. towards union with others uh, that you may you know may or may not be in a relationship with or married to or. Um, your spo- your your body is saying. Get ready to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, and your passions are saying, "Let's disorder all this." But I don't know her name, you know. Yeah, Yeah. or 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 it's the it's the move towards pornography. Um, That so then the the ninth commandment is saying, "How do you rein those in with prudence and temperance?" Yeah, temperance. So talk about temperance. What is? How would you define temperance? Um, It's I, I I always tell people temperance is about touch. It's food, drink, sex. Food, drink, flesh. Yep. And so when when we're it's it's just about 
it's about touch. It's about our eyes casting upon something. It, it's a that then moves this desire in our heart to act. So temperance says to us, let's not act according to this because we've created this well ordered life around us that. I don't have too much to drink, although I can have a drinking hand on my body. That I I um, I don't jump into the passions of of the flesh, even though I have these things called hormones going through me and a desire to be fruitful and multiply. That I practice this temperance, and then of the eyes too, temperance of the eyes to look upon. It's like uh, once I recognize, or we as people recognize, golly, there's something that's coming through my eyes that's stirring me. To do this, then I practice that custody of the eyes, and look look away. Yep, look away. And I think it's sometimes why 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 fasting. I mean, for, if you're struggling with chastity, struggling with lust, fasting on the food and drink side will help you. Yes. Um, oftentimes the two. I mean, so you you know you hear it a lot. I mean, on a college campus, but also outside of that. You know, man, I just had too much to drink, and then we like hooked up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, let's 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 go back. Like, where was the? Okay, both of those are are sins. Both of those are, are you know mistakes. Where where did that start? Oh, it started when you had that third that third Teenth, that third, third drink. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. And so you got so like when oftentimes when we kind of give in on yeah. one in one part of our life, it makes it a lot easier to give in on the other parts. Yeah, you know what I tell college dudes. Well, I mean, college students in general, guys and girls, when they say like, uh, you know, they come in and they want to talk, and they're like, "Well, I just I've been drinking too much, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I can't practice temperance. Uh, my chastity is an error." And I, I said, and I asked them a question, "Where did it begin?" And they said, "Well, you know, we got a picture of Michelob Ultras," and so this is what I tell them: I said, "Michelob Ultra is the celery of beers. It has no flavor. It has no calories. It just has alcohol in it." So this is your penance, even if we're just talking, walking down the street, or sitting in a restaurant. <laughs> I said, if you go to the if you go to the pub, if you go to college bar, you have to order an eight dollar beer. You're like eight oh, dollars? That's like a half a pitcher of Michelob Ultras. And I was like, you're not allowed to drink Michelob Ultras. It's the celery of beers. I thought you were gonna make them eat celery. No, to no, remind to they, remind them. Cheap and Michelob, I'm going to rant for a second, but Michelob Ultra is terrible because when you make trashy beer, you you actually you actually stop the senses from enjoying it. Like when you have a nice, delicious cerveza and you put a lime in it, maybe a little bit of salt, you're like, wow, this was delicious on a hot day. Or Schnickelfritz, Urban Chestnut Brewery, uh, unpaid advertisement right there. I brought some back from St. Louis. This episode of Pastors of Pain is brought to you by Schnickelfritz. <laughs> the dream come true to your <laughs> tongue. It's like angels dancing on your tongue. It's so delicious. But when you drink Michelob Ultra, temperance goes out the door because you're just pounding beers. And it's the same way, I think, with like buffets. People go and they just like, they're eating out of the trough. And so when we don't... And the more pr- I eat, the, b- the better value. Exactly. And it's the same thing with like TVs just running or podcasts running or just noise running, except this podcast, um, that when we just constantly are under this, we have no silence, so we're not practicing temperance. We just turn stuff on and leave it going. Yeah. Okay. There's mine. Um, okay. Let's talk about... Let's talk modesty. Oh. Um, so in the... And, modest in the is ninth, the In the ninth commandment, modest is hottest. That's right. Um so 2521 of the Catechism, purity requires modesty, an integral part of temperance. 
Modesty protects the intimate center of the person. It means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. Oh, yeah. And I love John Paul II had a line about pornography, and he said, the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much, is that it shows too little oh. about, of the, you know, of the human person. Um, so then uh, the catechism keeps saying, it is order to chastity to whose sensitivity it bears witness. It guides how one looks at others and behaves towards them in conformity with the dignity of persons and their solidarity. Uh, modesty is decency, it goes on to say. It is discreet. Um, it takes away like a risk of unhealthy curiosity. Uh-huh. So this happens in the I don't know, at least on like Twitter every year. There's usually some like massive debate about modesty at church or modesty right. and you know of dress and and so really I think it, to 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 ask yourself when you're when you're getting dressed in the morning or even and this is also true of like, just of what you watch and what you you know how what why am I why am I wearing what I'm wearing. Is, you know, am I wearing this in order to, you know, a guy, you know, wearing some like super tight, you know, shirt, two, three sizes too small. Am I wearing this because, I, you know, I want girls to look at me. And girls, you know, am I wearing this because I want this part of my body to, to you know, be sticking out so that I get attention. Mm-hmm. And to ask yourself, you know, is that, is that, is that modest? Is that in line with your your religious beliefs? Is that is that going to help a, another person see your beauty and your dignity, or is it going to go in the opposite direction? I think those are questions to yeah. ask as you're buying clothes, as you're getting dressed in the morning, yeah, or it, at night. Yeah, does it reveal too little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that is in the ninth commandment. So I mean, it really gets at you know kind of the idea. That's a packed of, house. Of lust. There's a lot there. So I would just encourage, yeah, getting g- going into uh, into the, the catechism on the ninth commandment. Okay, and just in, we in a few minutes, let's talk the tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goodies. Yeah. So yeah, what I've always liked and the way I explain the commandments, like why does why does why does persons come before goods? Well, because persons are more important. Yeah. There's a hierarchy um, of being. There's a hierarchy of being there. That person so nine, nine is people and ten is is people's yeah, nine because people's stuff. Yeah, because nine is they're in the image and likeness of God, and they share God's very divine nature, yep. human beings. Exactly. Yep. So this is the Catechism 2534. The Tenth Commandment unfolds and completes the Ninth. Oh. That's why we're putting them together, which is concerned with concupiscence of the flesh. That's the Ninth. Yep. The Tenth, it, for, oh, it, for, it forbids coveting the goods of another as the root of theft, robbery, and fraud which the seventh commandment forbids. Lust of the eyes leads to the violence and injustice forbidden by the fifth commandment. Of Avarice, like fornication, originates in the idolatry prohibited by the first three prescriptions of the law. Commandments Whoa. one, two, and three. The tenth commandment concerns the intentions of the heart. The intentions of the heart. So even if you're not acting on it, even if, you're, even if you don't violate the seventh commandment and steal it, when you have a covetous desire of what someone else has, it's not good for you, and it's not good for them, and it's a violation okay, of I have the a, commandments. I have a question. Yeah? There's a song going through my head right now, and it goes like this. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Yeah, Kenny okay. Chesney. Yes, is that, is I'm that, familiar. Is that, is that covetous song? Should I stop sing, listening to that song? 
she thinks his tractor's sexy. Is that she? Is she coveting his his? How can tractor? a tractor be sexy? I don't know. Um, farmers are always. That's a, that's going to be our next show. Our next show will be entitled. <laughs> can no? Can sorry. tractors be sexy? <laughs> I mean, there's probably some people out there driving John Deere's who are looking at cases and saying, "I wish I had that." And the people probably the other way. Case people are looking at John Deere's like. It's so it's so green. It's so green, and I'm green (laughs) with envy right now. (laughs) All right, so we got to be careful of what of our of our appetites. So this is twenty five thirty five of the Catechism. The sensitive appetite leads us to desire pleasant things we do not have. Well, well, what's the sensitive appetite first? The sensitive appetite. I mean, our appetite. Our appetite. Usually, we associate that with food, but we have appetites for all kinds of things. Those things that move our passions. Yes. Yes. Um, and they are very sensitive. Yeah, I mean, if they you, come in yeah. through the senses. They move and they're stirred. So there's good. There's a good appetite. The desire to eat when we're hungry, yep. to warm ourselves when we are cold. Dang. That's survival. Yeah, these desires are good in of themselves, but often they exceed the limits of reason, and drive us to covet unjustly what is not ours and belongs to another or is owed to them. So this gets to greed. The tenth commandment forbids greed. It forbids avarice arising from a passion for riches and their attendant power. So wow. you got to be careful. So same same kind of thing. I think if you're if you're struggling with, I want what I don't have or I want what others have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not survival. If you're starving and you want food, you're not violating the tenth commandment. It's uh, a, yeah. You know, but if if you you have a car. You have a house. You have a, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think a lot of times with technology these days, like okay, you have a phone, but oh, but I don't have, I don't have the i the i iPhone fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Max Pro. Uh-huh. And then and you know and that now you now you're spending time, precious time, being jealous about a phone that you know that somebody else has, and you have a phone. Yeah, exactly. And maybe you don't even need a phone. No, I I give you two examples, please. Um. One is I had a wedding this summer, and I was talking to this. I was talking, you know, I mosey around and chat with people, and I was chatting with this cute couple, and he was leaning against the edge of a rail. We were out on this big patio, and he's leaning against the edge of the rail, and I said, uh, after uh, five minutes of his chatting, I, I said, "Wow, that's a really cool jacket. It says Lamborghini on it. Uh, do you own a? Do you just own the jacket or a car?" And he goes, "Both." And I immediately, there was this envy I could just stir it up. I was like, I want a Lamborghini. I was just like, and, but, but then, this is the beauty of the simplicity of life as a priest. Simplicity of a life as a priest puts envy and greed in check. In its proper place. But, and, and this is the reason why, when I was talking to some of my Franciscan friar buddies, they take poverty. And so, yeah, like, they're poorer than us. I give him $500 for coming and doing a mission, paying for his airfare, and he turns around and get, hands that to his superior, and his superior doesn't give him anything. Someone gives me $500 for traveling and giving a talk and helping them work, it goes right into my bank account. And this is, this is what I love about simplicity of life. Simplicity of life engages envy and controls greed because you have to ask the question, okay, I can't afford a Lamborghini. I can never afford a Lamborghini. But I could afford that car over there. I could afford a convertible red sports car used to three years old. Not like I'm thinking about it or nothing. 
I could buy that. I, 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 can, I can actually pay for that because it's probably $30,000. I can buy that. But do, but do I need that? Would it stir up envy and yeah, greed? Yeah, need, like, need versus want. Yeah, and that's what I love about simplicity of life is that it forces me to keep all these things into check. It is, just be happy with it what is a we have, yeah. It is a virtue. All right, well, I'm going to close with this. This is uh, paragraph okay, 2540, and this is, uh, I think, a nice way to go out. Uh, it talks about envy. So it says this, envy represents a form of sadness and therefore a refusal of charity. The baptized person, which is most people listening to this, the baptized person should struggle against it by exercising goodwill. Envy often comes from pride. The baptized person should train himself to live in humility. Gosh, humility. So love what you have. Love what you have. Um, be grateful for, for what you have. We had this great young adult thing last night, and one of, the, one of the insights was like, when I pray, like how often do I, you know, I just sit down and like launch into my, all the stuff I want. And, and this, this woman said, you know, one of our young adults, she said, um, it's so much better when I start with gratitude. And then I can launch into, you know, all the things that I want and need. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. That was a rough ending. (laughs) All right, we're out. Have a great week, everybody. God bless you. Peace. Wow, that was awesome.